Good morning, everybody. Would you turn in the Bibles, please, to the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 3, 1 Timothy, chapter 3. Well, I chatted with your pastor a couple days ago, and he was in Texas on his way to Denver, Colorado. And I told him that we were going to stay there for a few days, and I told him that I had a cousin who lived in Denver, and uh, which is no big deal one way or the other. We were out there in July one year. On July the 4th, it snowed six inches in Denver, Colorado. But it was gone the next day. Really weird kind of thing there. In, uh, but pray for you, Pastor. In, that the Lord bless he and the missus and give them some rest and uh, bring him back refreshed. Uh, sort of fits in with what I want to speak to you about today. You know, if you go to a good church today, you'd be thankful. All you have to do is just go visit some other churches and you'll be thanking the Lord for Gospel Baptist Church. I used to tell that people to people at Winkler Road Baptist Church, you go visit other churches. And when you're on vacation, I hope you go visit other churches. But pick a good one if you can. And sometimes you're in an area where there are no good ones. And that'll really make you appreciate the one that you have. And uh, uh, but be faithful when you, when you go on vacation like that. Uh, in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 3, Beginning at verse 15, the Bible says, But if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And then there's this great doctrinal section, verse 16, which our text, though, is in verse 15. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. And uh, may it please the great God of heaven that formed all things to stamp his divine approval upon the reading, hearing, heeding, preaching of his forever settled in heaven, word of God, even though this will be a teaching session today. I give you three quick facts about the Lord if you were here last week. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father, for the word of God that is quick and powerful sharper than any two-edged sword. And I pray that you'd bless us and help us uh, to be a blessing today. And may we, like David, say, it has been good to have been in the house of the Lord. And I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Thank you for Gospel Baptist Church, all that has taken place for the preaching of the gospel and for serving the Lord over these years. May it continue and its best years be in front of them. And I pray for your word as it's preached all over this area and around the world today on the Lord's Day, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, we're talking about the church, and I want to talk to you on how to behave yourself in the house of God. But uh, sometimes you hear people say, well, I used to go to church. And uh, then they start, if you press them a little bit and ask them, well, why don't you still go to church? They give you all kinds of excuses. And I came across something this a long time ago, but this guy said, I want to give you 10 reasons why I never wash now, you don't want to sit, sit next to a guy who never washes. Uh, but he said, uh, I was made to wash as a child. So that, I guess that lets him off the hook. Number two, people who wash are hypocrites. They think they're cleaner than everybody else. Number three, there are so many different kinds of soap. I never could choose which one was right. Number four, I used to wash but it got boring, so I stopped. Number five, I still wash on special occasions like Christmas and Easter. 
Number six, none of my friends wash. <laughs> he ought to get new friends. <laughs> Number seven, I'm still young, but when I'm older and have got a bit dirtier, I might start washing. Number eight, I really don't have time. Number nine, the bathroom's never warm enough. And number 10, people who make soap are only after your money. So uh, have you ever heard anything like, of course, translate that over into church context? That's the, the way that people talk like that. In the passage that I read to you, which is verse 15, where the Apostle Paul is writing to young Timothy, and he said, if I tarry long, won't see you for a while maybe, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the pillar and ground of the truth, the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Did you ever dad or mom say, now son, daughter, you behave yourself? How many of you had parents ever said that to you? You behave yourself. Now to behave yourself, you better watch your behavior. And uh, Paul is saying to Timmy, I want you to know how to behave yourself how to have good behavior when you go into the house of God. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, after David had killed Goliath, he's coming back, and uh, the people come out to meet King Saul, and uh, the women started singing a song. They sang, I know this is not as good as Brother Tom did on Have I Done My Best for Jesus, but they sang, Saul has slain his thousands. And Saul's head just sort of swelled up a little bit. And he said, you hear that? They're singing about me. And then they sang the second stanza. <laughs> but David has slain his 10,000, and his countenance changed. And it went from his face to his heart and eventually to his hand when he threw a javelin at King David. Now, in chapter 18, the Bible says four times, and uh, if you want to turn there and, and see this, but in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 18, the Bible says in verse 5, And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely. Then in verse 14, And David behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Verse 15, wherefore, when Saul saw that he behaved himself very wisely, he was afraid of him. And then the Bible says in verse 30, then the princes of the Philistines went forth, and it came to pass after they went forth that David behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name was much set by. David had learned how to behave himself. Now, the Bible mentioned that four times. That's not just to fill up space in the book. That is for a reason. And uh, it had great influence. It had influence on Saul. It had influence on other people as well. And now here in the New Testament, uh, it is the Apostle Paul writing to his young protege, Timothy, that he would know how to behave himself in the house of God. It's a wonderful thing to know how to act when you go to the house of God. Now, sometimes when people think of acting right in the house of God, they think of children. And usually they think of the pastor's children. Well, when they play here and there and run here and there, and people don't want to overlook that. Now, if it's somebody else's kids, they'll overlook it. But if it's the pastor's kids, you know, why don't he make those kids that now? Why don't he make them behave themselves and so forth? They're not, they're not always consistent. 
when they want to criticize the, the pastor or maybe a deacon, somebody in the church, as opposed to whatever. And, but for all of us, and I think it's more than whether or not kids play and run up and down the aisles or whatever they're doing, playing tag, hide and go seek in church and some of those kinds of things. This is certainly much more serious. And Paul is saying to Timothy, I want you to know how to behave yourself when you go to the house of God. Now, the house of God, according to this passage, is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Did you ever wonder how we got our Bible? Who approved whether this particular book was in the, in the Bible or not? It had to do with the church, whether the church accepted that. The church of the living God is the pillar and ground of the church. Now, Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Now, he did not say, I'll build your church, and he didn't say, you will build my church. Uh, he said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Uh, I used to think that the picture there was, here's the church, and here's the gates of hell attacking the church, and they're not going to prevail, but that's not the picture. The picture is, here's the gates of hell, and the church is going to attack it. And uh, we can pull them as brands plucked from the burning. Uh, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. We are on the winning side. And uh, the church will be here until the Lord comes. Now, I know there's a passage where it says, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? Well, he will find faith on the earth, obviously. Uh, it may be at a little waning point, but uh, you know, God's people, uh, we may be a little impotent at the time, but we will still be. And uh, the church will be here when the Lord comes. That's what he's coming for. He is coming for the church. He is coming for his bride. And it's the church of the living God. And God, the Lord, loves the church. The Bible says in Ephesians 5, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. In context, he said, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And uh, so the church is very special to the Lord. And uh, in the book of Acts, uh, Paul told those Ephesian elders to feed the church of God over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. And he said that church has been purchased with his own blood, God's own blood. Uh, Jesus was virgin born. The blood that flowed through his veins was not the blood of Joseph, who God chose to be his adoptive father, but it was, it was God's blood. And uh, that's why it's the precious blood. And that's why the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all evil. And so the church, which is God's church, is very special to him. He loves it. It will, it will be here. But God says, now I want you to love it. And I want you to know how to behave yourself when you go to the house of God. Sometimes we, we don't think anything beyond, well, I'm going to church today. But what does all of that really mean? Uh, some of you remember back when you were a little kid, your mom and dad made you get ready on Saturday night. You got a bath on Saturday night whether you needed it or not. How many of you remember some days something similar to that? You know, there was a time when not everybody had running water in their house. How many of you have ever taken a bath in a big wash tub? How many of you, your bath was in the creek maybe that ran outside the house somewhere or the river? Uh, you know, today you get up and you don't even think about anything. You turn the tap on and you get water. You turn one tap on, you get warm water. Turn another one, you get on cold water. And, and uh, I was over there at the little picture a while ago, and I thought it said KO, but it said RO, reverse osmosis. Let me get 
you can get special water. And uh, there was a time when you got water that was special. So uh, there's just something about uh, in those days when mom and dad said, now you're going to get ready, we're going to, we're going to church tomorrow. And uh, so you got out your Sunday best. Now, whatever it was, it was your Sunday best. And uh, you didn't get up and, and just throw on anything or nothing. And uh, uh, it, you were going to the house of God and because you wanted to make preparation even before you got to the house of God. And, and it's okay to lay out things that you're going to wear the next day. Uh, it's okay to make preparation in your heart to play, pray for your Sunday school teacher, to pray for your pastor, to pray for uh, the, the service itself. Be prepared to go to the house of God. And uh, you want to be able to come to the house of God in a fairly good frame of mind where you're not fussing, screaming at the kids or screaming at the wife or screaming at the husband and all of a sudden you drive across the magical church property and say, okay, we're, we're, we're going to church and everybody smile. Uh, and when you get here, what do you do? Uh, you know, one of the things that I've observed about the folks here in this Sunday school class that you fellowship. Uh, somebody's kind enough to bring some nice pastries in and have coffee and so forth and you can fellowship a little bit and see folks you hadn't seen for uh, the last few days, or some when they come down from up north you hadn't seen in a while, and uh, you're just friendly. And it's good, that's part of going to the house of God, of preparing yourself so that you uh, are friendly. Have you ever been to a church when you were on vacation and nobody shook your hand? You ever done that? It's not really a good, comfortable feeling, is it? Uh, Judy and I have been on vacation before, and I remember going to one place. I was in one place, and they didn't, um, they didn't stand up. They went in and sat at a table, and this was church. They sat at a table, and uh, the pastor came in probably a minute or two before the service started, and he didn't go around and shake hands with anybody, and there was at least four of us that were there for the first time, and he never said, oh, I see we have visitors today. Where are you folks from? And blah, blah, blah. Welcome to our church. Blah, blah, blah. He didn't do any of that. He didn't even acknowledge that we were there. And uh, he told them to open the Bible, and they did. And he taught them a lesson. And when he got finished, he said, you're dismissed. He never came by. He never said, thank you all for coming. He never came by and shook your hands or anything. Now, why haven't I forgotten that? <laughs> it, it wasn't the best of experience. Uh, I don't remember what he taught on, but I remember he didn't acknowledge that we're there. You say, well, who do you think you are? Well, I think who I am is when I passed the Winkler Road Baptist Church and somebody came in and they were first-time visitors, uh, we always needed people, so let's make sure these feel, people feel welcome, that they might want to come back. You know, I tell people that everybody can have some kind of a ministry in church, if nothing else, just greet people when they come in. If three or four people went to a first-time visitor and said, thank you so much for coming. My name is, and uh, could I introduce you to our Sunday school teacher? Could I introduce you to our pastor? Could I introduce you to my wife or my spouse or to my whatever? And uh, if a person like that got shaken hands by four or five people, they would think that's the friendliest church I've ever been in. That's right. So you could have a ministry of greeting uh, just by being friendly. You might say, well, that doesn't come easy for me. Well, ask the Lord to help you. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Uh, does God want us to be friendly? Well, of course. And uh, he'll help you to do anything that is the right thing to do. And uh, so 
if you are friendly to the people. And then uh, behaving yourself in the house of God is that after you've gotten there and uh, you've been friendly and so forth, then uh, you pay attention in the service. And you do, uh, you sing, pray, listen, fellowship, give all the things that you're supposed to do, respond if, if that is appropriate for you. And then when you get finished with the service, rather than just run out, and uh, I'll see them when I see them, uh, be friendly again. Just make the whole experience a wonderful experience of going to church. So is everybody with me so far? Now this is part of, of behaving yourself in the house of God. And then to behave yourself in the house of God, I think, number one, you should be preachable. To be preachable means that uh, you take your Bible. Uh, now, I'm a kind of guy that I like an uh, in-hand Bible. Uh, I have this phone, and I have Bible is on here. And about the only time that I would look at Bible is is if I happen to be in the waiting room somewhere and I didn't have my Bible with me, I might turn to Bible is and pull up something and read it. But mostly, my Bible reading is with a Bible in my hand. And so when you go to church, you say, well, I, I'm not fussing at you, but uh, it's, this is sort of a left-handed fuss. <laughs> and I'm right-handed. Uh, if, if, if you take, if your Bible is electronic Bible and it's on your phone, and you're sitting back there while the preacher's preaching and you've got this in front of you, now be honest. Nine times out of ten, what do they think you're doing? They think you're playing a video game. Either that or you're checking out your calendar, what you're going to be doing tomorrow. I, I would say there would be hardly a fistful of people who say, look at that, that guy is reading his Bible on the telephone. Uh, so, now I realize that you could be sitting there and have your Bible open, and uh, you could be a thousand miles away. You've ever heard of somebody, you look at them and say, you know, the light's on, but he's not home. <laughs> uh, you could be thinking of something else, but to be preachable. There's an interesting verse in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. You need to look at this verse if you would. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. The Bible says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing. We're in 1 Thessalonians 2.13. Because when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. You know, when you hear the Bible and you mix with it faith, it works. The Bible says, it effectually worketh also in you that believe. Now you have a good saying that we preach the Bible, the whole Bible, and nothing but the Bible. So help me God. Uh, when the Bible is preached, you should not say, well, you know, that's just his opinion. Have you ever talked to somebody and uh, you said, well, show me, that out of the, out of, out, show me that out of the Bible. And so you turn and you read the verse right out of the Bible, yeah. verbatim, and they'll say, well, that's just your opinion. Well, it might be my opinion, but I got that out of the Bible. I just read that out of the Bible. I didn't add anything to it. I didn't take anything away from it. I just read to you the Bible. So when you go to the house of God, you need to go there preachable. Uh, 
There's an interesting verse when Jehoshaphat was the king in 2 Chronicles 20. And uh, the enemy came, and there was a large number of the enemy. And Jehoshaphat went to the Lord, and he said, Lord, here are all these people, and neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. Have you ever been there? It's sort of like a wit's end kind of thing. I don't know what to do, but I'm going to look to the Lord. And Jehoshaphat, when they were going out to war, he said, the, 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 the prophet said, Believe in the Lord your God, and so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, and so shall ye prosper. That's 2 Chronicles 20, 20. It's easy to remember. You believe in the Lord your God, you'll be established. You believe his prophets, and you'll prosper. Uh, which do you think would be the most presumptuous? To believe what the Bible says or not to believe what the Bible says? You know, there are times in the Bible when they said, if you do that, you call God a liar. And so when your preacher preaches, now remember, you can help him by praying. You can help him to make it plain, to make it powerful. Uh, but if you go to the house of God, now you're, I've been in your services enough to know, and I've known Brother Bill for years that he is a Bible preacher. And he believes the Bible. And uh, he believes the Bible is the word of God. And so when he preaches, if you'll receive it as it is in truth, not the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. And so when somebody says, this is what God says, and you believe that, it will effectual, effectually work in you that believe. You must be preachable. Now, Sometimes people have weird ideas of what's preachable, what's preaching. Uh, in the book of Colossians chapter 1, 27 and 28, Paul is saying about Jesus Christ, whom we preach, warning every man. And then he said that we teach every man, and then we want to present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Good preaching will always exalt the Savior, Christ, whom we preach. It will always... Uh, warn you about sin, warning every man. So when the, when the preacher is telling you something you shouldn't be doing, you don't look around and say, well, they're not doing it, or they're doing it, or he's not doing it, or whatever. Warning every man, and then explaining the scriptures. Why? For the purpose of edifying the saints that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. If the preacher is the man of God that he should be, he's going to He's going to exalt Christ. One day I was reading in the Gospel of John about John the Baptist. John chapter 10. It's the last two verses of John chapter 10. The Bible says John did no miracle. Isn't that interesting? John the Baptist did no miracle. But all things that he said of this man Jesus were true. And when I read that, I think I read it again. I've never done a miracle. There are times I wish I could have done a miracle. There are a number of times that I've prayed for people that I wish I could have just touched them and they'd have been whole and healed. But I've never done a miracle. But I have tried to tell the truth about Jesus. That's all a preacher has to do. You just have to tell the truth about Jesus. And so when he's telling the truth about Jesus and uh, he is warning you, you know, Jesus said, who hath warned you to flee the wrath to come? If a man of God just warns you, you go down that path, it's not going to end well. That's a dead-end street. You need to get off of that. 
that man is your friend. You know, sometimes people, they don't like it because he tells them about hell. I think it was Joel Osteen in Houston. He said, you'll never learn about hell in this church. Well, you'll learn about hell in the Bible. And Jesus preached more about hell than any other person preached about it. And he warned people about it. You know, I remember I had an occasion just to tell this little story recently. I read somewhere where a guy said, you know, if I believed in hell like you people say you believe in hell, I would crawl on broken glass across America on hands and knees to keep people out of it. And, you know, I thought about Jesus. Nobody believed in hell more than Jesus. Nobody had more to say about it than Jesus. And he never crawled, crawled across Palestine or Israel on hands and knees to tell people about it. He did everything he could to keep people out of it. He died for people to keep them out of it. And so when people warn you about hell, uh, that man is your friend. Uh, you know, if somebody says, you know, you be careful of that path. There, there are rattlesnakes up that path. Uh, you wouldn't want somebody to know that a hurricane was headed to Miami and it's headed over this way and know about it and not tell anybody about it. So but the idea is that you be preachable. If you're going to learn how to behave yourself in the house of God. If I wouldn't go to a church as a member of that church that did not believe and preach the Bible. Other than that, why, why go? What's your point? So if you're going to go somewhere, make sure it's the right kind of church and they preach the Bible, preach the word of God to you. And so just be preachable. Uh, does it make sense? Yeah. If you're going to know how to behave yourself in the word of God. And then be practical when you go to the house of God. What does be practical mean? Basically, Jesus said, the way you want to be treated, you treat others. That's what Jesus taught us. The Bible says he taught us that in Matthew 7, 12. Whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do ye also to them. You treat others the way you want to be treated. It's not fair for you to go out and criticize those people. They were not friendly. They never shook my hand. Did you shake their hand? If you want somebody to shake your hand, go shake somebody's hand. If you want somebody to be friendly to you, go be friendly to them. Just be practical. Treat others the way you want to be treated. And sometimes that means you're going to be friendly when you necessarily didn't feel like being friendly. Or you didn't feel like being friendly to that person at that particular time. We have personalities and personalities get in the way sometimes. And uh, sometimes we, we have the wrong spirit about us or we have the wrong attitude about us. Uh, but still, you need to treat people the way that you want to be treated. And then thirdly, if you're going to behave yourself in the house of God, be a pattern. Now, the Bible says in chapter 1 of Timothy, 1 Timothy, look at verse 16. How be it for this cause... I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Did you ladies ever make anything that you needed a pattern to make it with? Maybe some craft or some outfit and you had some model, you had some pattern. Uh, Paul said that God has made, a, made him a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 1, Paul said, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. 
Now, if you find somebody who is following Christ, and that means that, as Paul was, he was right with God. He had all of his sins confessed. He was totally surrendered. He had no plans to go sin, and he was committed to obeying God. You can follow somebody like that. Somebody who's right with God, totally surrendered, have their sins confessed, have no plans to go sin, and they are committed to obeying God. So you could see why Paul said, God made me a pattern. You follow me even as I also am of Christ. Did you ever say to your children, son, you see that deacon? If you'll be the kind of man he is, I'd be proud of you. Ladies, see that? Your daughters, see that lady? If you be like that lady, I'd be proud of you. And uh, you know how many times the Bible says that uh, the older women should teach the younger women, the older men should teach the younger men. You, you need to be a pattern. Now, uh, here's a dad who says to his boys, son, don't smoke. Well, see, that kid, he's going to make it, he's going to do what his dad taught him to do regardless. With, with his lips, he said, don't smoke, but with his life, he smoked. You don't want to give mixed signals to your children, nor do you want to give mixed signals to your, your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. You want to be able to just to be a pattern and live so that somebody, and I'll guarantee you there are people watching you. Just do something wrong and find out what maybe the gossip will be about you. Uh, now, everybody knows we're not perfect. I heard about a guy who was up preaching one time, and he said, there's nobody perfect. He said, does anybody here know of anybody that was perfect? Anybody? And one little guy, he, he, he sort of timidly raised his hand, and he said, you know somebody's perfect? Yes. Who? My wife's first husband. <laughs> But the idea is that you would be, certainly, just be practical. Does this make sense? And uh, you want your kids to follow your example, and you want uh, people in the church to live such a way that your kids might follow their example. And so you want to live to be practical. Now, what we're talking about here is that you know how to behave yourself in the house of God. Number four, you would want to be pure. To be pure, you want to live right. And how many times that the Bible teaches uh, men, you treat other guys like your brothers and you treat gals. The older ones, you treat them like your mothers. And the younger ones, you treat them like your sisters. Does anybody ever run off with their mother? Does anybody ever run off with their sister? No. Uh, so he was saying, and this is probably more addressed, and not just this way, but more addressed to men with regard to, uh, to ladies, to women. You treat the older women like they're your mother, and you treat the other ones like they're your sister, just to be pure. Now, there's obviously a problem with that in our country today, because that's the message that's screamed to us everywhere. Uh, you know, you can't sell anything today, cars, soap, 
or whatever unless they use fleshly things. And uh, that has a way of filtering over into churches as well. But God wants his people. He wants us to be pure. And uh, I remember, some of you may remember, there used to be a big statue of a guy when you go into Cape Coral over on Cape Coral Parkway. There was a, I don't know, his name was Big John or something. And uh, Big John had been married and probably been a successful businessman. But he let some things get into his life when he let the guard down, and he lost all that. You read Proverbs 5, Proverbs 6, Proverbs 7, and uh, you, you play around, and you find out where that'll take you. You won't want to play around. You won't want to do wrong. I have a preacher friend whose granddaughter went to a church in, I think, the Carolinas, and she loved her preacher. And her preacher messed up. And uh, he had confessed it and tried to get it right, but he was no longer going to be her preacher. And so this, my friend told his granddaughter about her preacher that uh, he's not going to be a preacher anymore. And she started crying. His little granddaughter, I mean, like eight, nine, or ten, she just, I mean, she was sobbing, crying. And my preacher friend, when he saw that, he said, you know, Every preacher in America who's thinking about messing up, who's thinking about running off with somebody, ought to see my granddaughter right now. If you just knew the damage that it was going to do to somebody, you'd never do that. And in your right mind, you wouldn't want to do that anyway. So you be, you be pure. Well, I, my, my phone went off just a while ago, said it, we're just about out. And some of you like that because it means it's going to be over pretty soon. <laughs> You know, the Bible teaches us to be passionate, uh, to love one another with pure heart fervently. The Bible teaches us to be persistent. Just don't quit. Hang in there. Well, I got my feelings hurt. You won't be the first. And you won't be the last. And uh, just, just don't quit. I came across a little thing years ago. I might could quote it, and then I might not. <laughs> At one time, I could. But when things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when the funds are low and the debts are high and you want to smile and you have to sigh, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Life is strange with its twists and turns, as every one of us sometimes learns. And many a failure turns about when he might have won had he stuck it out. So don't give up, though the pace seems slow, you may succeed with another blow. Often the goal is nearer than it seems to a faint and faltering man. Often the struggler has given up when he might have captured the victor's cup, and he learned too late when the sun slipped down how close he was to the golden ground. Success is failure, turned inside out. The silver tint of the clouds of doubt, and you can never tell how close you are. It may be near when it seems so far, so stick to the fight when your heart is hit. It's when things seem worst that you mustn't quit. So don't, don't quit. Don't give up on church. Don't give up on your preacher. Don't give up on whatever. Lord, I pray that you'd undertake for us today and help us to learn how to behave ourselves in the house of God. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida, also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.